Hi, I'm Al Tharp. And I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnola, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans, coming to you from Funnel Viet Restaurant, located here at 2005 Magazine Street in the Lower Garden District. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Vietnola chương trình pháp hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam ở New Orleans từ nhà hàng Phở Nội Việt ở số 2005 Phố Magazine ở quận Lower Garden. Today on the show, we've got some ancient wisdom, some lessons on being a polite Vietnamese person, news, and a conversation with our guest, Tap Bui, Deputy Director of Mary Queen of Vietnam. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Tap. Hi. We're excited <laughs> to have you. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to rely on you heavily today to <laughs> help teach Al some good viet, viet etiquette. I'll do my best. And, and, and our language lesson as well. Okay. <laughs> but first, can you tell our listeners what, what you do for a living? And yes. Um, so, hello, everyone. My name is Tad Bui, and I'm the Deputy Director at MQV and <coughs> Community Development Corporation, um, which is a nonprofit that was started right after Hurricane Katrina. Now, that is connected with... Uh, the uh, the church, correct? We were born out of church leaders, but we're um, not affiliated. Okay. Yeah, we're two separate Just entities. We share, share the, the same. Name. We share similar names. Yes, Mary Queen of Vietnam. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do you? What are your kind of hot projects right now? Um, right now, we have a lot of different projects uh, because we're development, uh, a community development corporation, or a lot of our work focuses on um, development of the New Orleans East area. So. We own and operate a community health center. It's called Noella Community Health Center. Um, we also have a Viet Village Urban Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have an aquaponics program that was started right after the BP oil drilling disaster. And on top of that, we do in-house social services, inter- interpretations, translations, you name it, we have it. <laughs> and so this only existed since Katrina, correct? Yeah, but the May church preda- predated it, correct? Yeah, the church um, has been around since the communion has been around. About? Uh, so 1975 till now, so mm-hmm. almost 40 years. And you're you're an Eastern girl, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was born and raised in New Orleans East. Yes. <laughs> Forever. For- <laughs> Forever <laughs> NOLA. <laughs> and you continue to live in the East, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And why did this only come to life after Katrina? I mean, these projects aren't necessarily related to the disaster, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, They are. I mean, in a way, before Katrina, you know, we had three major hospitals in the area. Businesses were great. Um, But, and then we we also had, like, local supermarkets that were readily accessible for, like, food. Uh, But after Katrina, you know, none of the hospitals have returned. Uh (laughs) Um, The nearest supermarket took two years to return to our community. Um, Which which one is that? Uh Winn-Dixie. Yeah, so in the meantime, community members were very concerned about their livelihoods. And, you know, they um, looked to community leaders to sort of uh, address a lot of these issues, a lot of these development issues. Um, So MQV and CDC was incorporated to um, help you know, the community members and the rebuilding process. Now, the area in the east, that strip of, you know, probably 20 or so businesses, Mm Vietnamese-owned businesses, Mm -hmm. did those exist there before the storm, or was that coming out of the the need to fulfill the gap? It existed before the Mm -hmm. storm. Uh, I mean, a lot of those businesses are mom-and-pop shops that have been there for 30-plus years. Um, and then now we're seeing a growing number of Latino businesses also because we have 
a growing population of Latinos in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but after Katrina, you know, a lot of those businesses were heavily damaged. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, we thought we helped business owners with like developing business plans and how to revitalize their businesses. So another major project we also did was to improve the facades of these businesses to attract visitors to the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So numbers wise, would you say there was a you, you've now been able to maintain the numbers that existed before Katrina or you're mm-hmm. still more than 95 percent of our community members have returned since Katrina and it's dubbed one of the most um, resilient and one of the quickest to come back after Katrina. Mm-hmm. We actually last week we talked about that with Professor mm-hmm. Mark Van Landing. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you've actually worked. What? It was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two weeks, oh, that's right, two weeks ago. Uh, and he spoke extensively about, right. actually, his work that I think he was working with you in mm-hmm. MQVN mm-hmm. to collect the data. Is that, is that right? Um, I actually saw him just about two weeks ago. <laughs> we also had lunch. Um, but before Katrina, Mark Valentingham reached out to the community and started um, collecting data for a mental health study that he was doing. Um, and then Katrina happened. And this is one of those rare occasions where we have like baseline data of the community and he was able to sort of um, develop a mental health program after Hurricane Katrina, um, comparing the baseline data to um, current uh, community members. So he was able to track like these same community members throughout the entire disaster process, which I think is very amazing. Mm-hmm. What would you say is an estimate of the size of the community about eight thousand residents. And does that include the West Bank, the Vietnamese? No, just West New Bank? Orleans East. Okay. So in Louisiana, well, in New Orleans, the Greater New Orleans area, we have um, four Vietnamese communities, and the one in the East is one of the largest. And what's also interesting about um, Vietnamese communities in Louisiana is that they all center around church. Um, so that's also true of the New Orleans East community. They center around the Mary Queen of Vietnam Church. Which is funny because you and I are both Buddhist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in and in Vietnam, people are 85% mm-hmm. Buddhist. Mm-hmm. So about 90% of our community members are Roman Catholics. There is a, there is a Buddhist temple. There's a Buddhist though. temple. There's yeah. two there's, or? There's one in New Orleans East and I think there are three in the West Bank. Okay. Yeah. And what do you, how, how big is the congregation in the East? I think it's the largest temple, isn't it? Mm, it's the largest, but I don't think it's... Um, the largest in terms of numbers of like, oh, really? folks in the congregation. Yeah. Um, what, I, I can't put an estimate, estimate on it. Uh, maybe a 500 to 1,000. In the East. Yeah. And, you know, you're a good, you're a good Buddhist girl. <laughs> do, do you but, go? but I practice a lot of the values and morals. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean I attend every Sunday at temple. <laughs> but for the major holidays, and I'm usually there. Not every Sunday. Not every Sunday. But maybe the major holidays. Yeah, major holidays. <laughs> where it matters. Does that apply to you as well, Kim? <laughs> I'm like once a year. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the same boat. I know. I used to go to, I had a group, like a youth Buddhist group that I would meet with once a month. Oh. Yeah. Nyam Hong. It was part of Tanya Hanks' congregate or fall or, mm-hmm. I don't know. You wouldn't say congregation. I guess Maybe kind of group yeah. of people who read and listen mm-hmm. to his teachings. Yeah. So there was one in California. He's actually coming down in September. Oh, is he really? In to Mississippi. Is he's, he? He's hosting like um, a week long meditation series. Mm-hmm. I knew he had 
something he did regularly somewhere in the south but mm-hmm. i didn't know where I, I guess it's is the mississippi vietnamese population larger than it is here mm, no i wouldn't say so mm-hmm. i mean along the gulf coast when we collected data for um the bp oil drilling disaster with mississippi louisiana and alabama there are about forty thousand vietnamese americans so in all three states in all three and i believe in louisiana alone there are twenty thousand residents so, total okay yeah. And can you talk about what Mary Queen of Vietnam CDC did after the BP oil disaster? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first things we did immediately was to host a town hall. And this is the largest town hall we've hosted to date. Um, and it was just to help community members understand the situation, you know, what was going out in the Gulf. Um, and we invited, you know, members from uh, BP, you know, Sierra Club, EPA, so a lot of and elected officials. They were there to answer any questions community members had. Um, immediately we saw concerns of, you know, their livelihoods because this is just not a job for them as part of who they are. Uh, mental health and then economic stability. So with these three issues also came um, the impact of like language access because we also saw that immediately too, like language access was something our community really needed, um, especially to understand, you know, what was going on in the Gulf. And at that time, there there weren't a lot of like Vietnamese translations or interpretations available <clears throat> for a lot of these fish folks. And um, so we teamed up with some community partners and we trained interpreters so that they can be hired on by BP to help interpret and translate. And the notion behind that is. We needed someone who's local, who understands the fishing industry, to really be hired by BP because they were putting in people <clears throat> that didn't necessarily understand the culture of this region, and came they they came off as offensive to a lot of our residents. Were they Caucasian? No, they were Vietnamese, uh, but but not from the south. Not no. from the south. They're actually from Vietnam, but they were they grew up in like the post nineteen seventy five era, so a lot of the words. They use for they brought interpreters from Vietnam. <laughs> from Vietnam. Now, anyone who knows the Vietnamese American community would know that that is quite a touchy thing, to right? Do. So it's a very, very touchy situation. Like um, the language has changed. The language has changed. A lot of the terminologies weren't the same. Um, and then on top of that, they, the interpreters who were hired were younger than the Fisher folks, so there is that sense of like. You know, elder this younger youth, person is telling you know, them. They came what off to do. arrogant sometimes. Um, no, it, they didn't come off as arrogant, but they, they used terminology that the community members found offensive okay. because they kind of dubbed it, you know, post nineteen seventy five terminology. They they were actually asked to sit down, and um, the community members heard the. Uh, so it, it was it was a um, hazmat training session, you know. So it's the, the safety <laughs> is for the safety of the fisher folks who wanted to go and clean up the oil. Uh, but they they rather sit through two hour a two hour long um, training in, in English than have these two girls interpret for them. Oh my oh goodness! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so <laughs> strong, pretty intense. Yeah, strong position. Yeah, but on top of that, you know, language access, mental health. We're in a five year um, study with Tulane Scope of Health to look at the implications of the oil disaster and women of childbearing age. And then um, our aquaponics program. So aquaponics, I believe one of my coworkers has actually been on the show and talked about that. But would you no, Would you just give us a brief explanation? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the technology of, of combining 
aquaculture and hydroponics into one. And yeah. growing so, what sorts of? Uh, um, all sorts of vegetables. Um, so they're growing and, and, and mint. I mean, in herbs. So like they're growing um, basil, um, a special salad mix called masculine. And the idea there is to sell the produce through a cooperative, a farmer's cooperative, um, to local restaurants and and help fishermen who were affected by the BP ordering disaster like supplement their income. Have an alternative to the fishing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty amazing. I've seen one of the aquaponic projects in one of the community members' backyards, small mm-hmm. backyard, yeah. the size of your or my backyard, and this very in- elaborate system mm-hmm that was so plentiful. I was really amazed. Mm-hmm. And it's a system using, um, there were some what, foam mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so it's, it's some floating rafts, you know, the, and then the rafts are made out of foam and we cut circles into them and put the pots of uh, vegetation into them. So there's just like no wasted effort, no wasted water, no wasted fertilization, no wasted soil. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing mm-hmm. actually. It was, we don't even, it's a soilless technology. We don't even use soil. just in, in ponds of, constructed ponds, correct? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, they're not, they're, they made them in their backyard. Right. It's not yeah. like they're in the canal yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Purpose built. Yeah. It's, uh, how many families are growing families in the East? Um, so we have 12 growers mm-hmm. who are part of the program. Aquaponics. Mm-hmm. And talk about your, the new clinic. I know you had an existing clinic, but recently you all have done wonders to raise mm-hmm. funds to expand it. Into oh, okay, yeah. So the new site for the health center. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked with Tulane University after Katrina to open a bridge clinic in New Orleans East. Um, and then as of March 2011, we own and operate the community health center. And, and during that time, we also purchased um, a, an old post office building to renovate into our future um, health center site. Because the space we're in right now is only 1,000 square feet. And with the new health center site, it's about 8,000 square feet. Wow. You know, we're able to expand our services and serve more communities. And basically fill, try and fill some of the gap that hasn't been filled by mm-hmm. our infrastructure after mm-hmm. Katrina. Yeah, I mean, overall basic healthcare services, you know, are, are lacking in our community. Um, granted, the the hospital Methodist Hospice open is slated to open at the end of twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. um, but Where in the meantime, it's off of Reed Boulevard. Yeah, how, so, how so it's still far? in New Orleans East. It's about let's say it's roughly a, like five miles away yeah, from our community. Yeah, that's a good ways. Yeah, in, yeah. in yeah. from you, yeah. your community. Definitely. So. Well, thank you so much for sharing that no information problem. on MQVN. I always like to keep current with what you guys are doing. <laughs> I mean, I I met Tap two or three years ago because they were so amazingly successful in raising funds for this health center that she's speaking about. So we met at a funders conference, mm-hmm. a, a conference that funders held for nonprofit workers, and they were mm-hmm. just the superstars <laughs> Thank of you. the show. <laughs> well, you were there too, so you're also a superstar. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I was sneaking in under camouflage. <laughs> I pretended I was with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being a me. I'm with them. <laughs> yeah, most, most often, you know, we're one of the only Vietnamese um, who are represented at different meetings. So it's always yes. nice to have another person there. Yes, my boss was very worried, actually. She's <laughs> like, Kim, you stay away from those Mary Queen of Vietnam girls. I see what's happening here. I'm not going to let them poach you, poach you for me. 
well, we talked before the show a little bit about, you know, our culture, Vietnamese, or really m- more Vietnamese American cultures, what mm-hmm. you and I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I asked you to share something about Vietnamese culture that you thought was interesting so we can further <laughs> help Al be a good Vietnamese American. <laughs> do you want to do you want it? I think this is a very funny point because it's so ingrained in, into a culture yeah. <laughs> in a lot of Asian cultures in general. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Um, so when I was asked this question, I, I pondered for a little bit because I was like, wow, what? Because you're, you're so used to growing up in your own culture that mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to take a step back and look at your values and how that differs from other cultures. But even habits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have hot sauce? <laughs> like, That's why they call them habits, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the, the things I brought up is the, the, the importance of face or, you know, in Vietnamese, uh, the, the importance of face in the uh, Vietnamese culture. So not literally, not, not just the literal face, but just um, how you are perceived by other people, you know. Um, Huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Huge. You never, like, our, our elders have always taught us to never do anything that would make them lose face, you know. So I feel like that's ingrained within me. I feel like that's also a very prideful issue, you know, because of um, them not wanting to lose face. You know, you have to work hard, you know, do well in school and represent them well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's more shameful to let outsiders know about your family's weaknesses yeah. than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's huge. That has to be somewhat of a burden to carry, I would think, in some way. Yeah. Yes. Um, in a way. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I mean, it, it also, I, I guess there's like, the pros of it is just y- you want to work harder for your parents mm-hmm. to not lose face, you know? So I think you've been taught that when you were growing up. I think in some ways it's a burden. In other ways it makes you feel useful, you know, that like you're part of something. Mm-hmm. And I think in that sense, you know, I think everyone in New Orleans was very, was very impressed about how the Vietnamese community was able to quite quickly rebuild, for Return, instance. Return, reconstitute, always. Right, and I think a big part of that is about learning to be there for others so that there's this sense of we haven't lost face, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And it, it expands to, it's definitely a component of family, mm-hmm. and it expands community, I think, in communities such as the East where it's very tightly knit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not. I don't think you'll see that in California, where there's you know a quarter of a million Vietnamese Americans in Southern California now. There's less of a sense of we're in this together. It's just people are Vietnamese Americans are much more ubiquitous in California. Yeah. But in this community, where there's about eight thousand, you know, and it's funny because there are larger communities like Boston has. We <laughs> <laughs> you pointed like it out 60. to me. Boston has 60,000 Vietnamese <laughs> Americans, which I didn't know. I'm like, can't be bigger than here. Can't be. But the Vietnamese American community in New Orleans is particularly noteworthy for being incredibly close yeah. and loyal to one another in ways that are easy to distinguish mm-hmm. to the extent that I had no idea that there were 60,000 Vietnamese <laughs> Americans <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> I mean, we we're also like concentrated and within a one mile radius, and that's heavily <laughs> like right. concentrated. Uh, do you find that there is any pressure for younger 
uh, folks to to sort of disperse more generally throughout the New Orleans area, Aww. and that's the, the, I, the I think a lot of, a lot people of staying within the community as as the generations. Um, are. I mean, there's no pressure to move. Definitely, right. I mean, yeah. your parents, if anything, will want us to stay around. Well, yeah, <laughs> sort of, I sort of been a more larger uh, cultural, <laughs> yeah, cultural but uh, a lot of, uh, younger folks. There aren't a lot of opportunities in New Orleans right. for for like young professionals. So we've seen like a growing number of like yuppies and uh, whatnot move away to you know get more opportunities texas or something. yeah more more so to like texas some te- mostly texas i would say but i've also seen community members who, or people who become community members especially at mqvn who are from southern california mm-hmm. which i think is interesting yes we, we've had a lot of great talent um come in t- and helped out the community um right after katrina you know we have one staff member right now who's from Southern California, and he's spearheading the aquaponics and the urban farm project. You know, mm-hmm. and he's heavily like in, ingrained into the community. Now. Right. <laughs> you know, he's young, a part, motivated, he's young, motivated, yeah. totally driven. Yeah, I think I met him at a Tet mm-hmm. um, event, mm-hmm. and he was from actually the same area I am yeah. in Orange County. Yeah. So we spoke, <laughs> we spoke a bit, and he's he's diehard. I mean, he's mm-hmm. in it yeah. for the long run. Mm-hmm. It looks like. <laughs> yeah, but I've met like a few. Um, Southern California and Vietnamese Americans. Yeah, we we've had work now. We had another community organizer who is from Southern California, but she's now in D.C. But she's one of the first community organizers we had at MQM and CDC. So she was instrumental in getting us to a lot of the tables. You know, like city planning commissions, like and then having the ear of the council members. So uh-huh. um, I think for Vietnamese Americans from other places, it's nice to see kind of a community that your parents tell you exists everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't see, I'm in Southern California and we're just like everyone else, <laughs> you know? Yep. But in my parents, even when I took them to the East, they were overwhelmed by how traditional it felt. Completely overwhelmed. And they've been surrounded by Vietnamese Americans since they came to this country. Mm-hmm. And they were they were saying it's it's you feel like you could possibly be in Yakwe like mm-hmm. in Yakwe in the countryside because people elderly women will still wear the conical hats while gardening, yeah. and they were just amazed that mm-hmm. my dad said it was like we are in a time machine, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's nice because you know when I grow up in Southern California and they kind of. I wouldn't say they try and fool me, but they try and instill <laughs> these norms that I have no idea what they're talking about, right. you know? And it took me living in Vietnam for a year as an adult in my 20s, and also now living here close to a very close knit Vietnamese American community to kind of make sense of those norms and those mm-hmm. values that they kept telling us about, like it was a fairy tale or something. Right. So I, I personally <laughs> made a decision to move to New Orleans and buy a house here because greatly comforted by the idea that there is the, east, the community in the East. So well, we're, we're happy to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> and very welcoming <laughs> as well. Um, so this is the p- part of the show where I bring a kazao or kagao as you Kajau. say. <laughs> <laughs> we both have, a, I think, dialects. a little bit of mix because our parents both grew up in the north but uh spent a, a probably the majority of their lives in the south of vietnam yeah. before coming to this country so, so my, and then my parents were 
from the south. So they. Oh, I thought over. you said your parents were northern. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. So from the south. <laughs> we have some. My Vietnamese has some southern <laughs> components, but mostly, I sound northern, and people look at me funny in the <laughs> store. <laughs> and that has partly to do with your adult I'm experience. Ameri- <laughs> correctly. Yeah, I'm there. also very Americanized. Oh, right, and I lived in Hanoi. Yeah. So a lot of my Vietnamese. Very strong accents. <laughs> <laughs> you mean they don't have the southern accent, <laughs> 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 which is funny because the southern accent is considered. Kind of twangy and slow, just mm-hmm. like that's in familiar. This country, right? <laughs> <laughs> Being hey, in Louisiana, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I say "kazao" and she says "kayao," mm-hmm. and this one is about protecting. I think this is a good one for our topic today, community. And here goes: La Lang Doom Lazak. So literally, it means the strong leaf protects the weak leaf and I think it goes further to say you know the stronger members of the community should look out for the weaker Um, members mm -hmm. Um, and so when I was kind of looking up this proverb I you know of course Google (laughs) God bless Google and there was actually an interesting YouTube that was made in Vietnam about uh, older an elderly woman who still takes care of her blind granddaughter oh Oh my gosh yeah so i think it's the idea of and it also spoke about like generosity and there were other segments about you know it's also about the more well-off people being generous and Mm -hmm. donating to causes that are seeking to protect the disadvantaged and the less fortunate right i mean i feel as though we should all give assistance back to the community and help others being useful is very, <laughs> yeah, being the feeling useful. of being useful is incredibly important right. in Vietnamese culture in general. Yeah. I think my dad, he, the idea of retirement made his stomach just churn. <laughs> He's like, Kim, I'm not ready just to travel and not be a useful member of society. Right. You know, for him, that was I think my, 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 my dad also had that complication because he had to retire early, but. Yeah, he 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 felt he resisted. It was it was it was easily agitated for sure. You know, I think it's because it's just frustrating um, to be at home all day and not contribute. So, and what did he do for a living? Um, before we actually owned businesses, but after mm-hmm. Katrina, he sold them. Um, and he so he has congestive heart failure, um, so he can't so do he much right now. He has to take it easy. Yeah. yeah, he has to take it easy. But he's he he does gardening, and that's his way of contributing. <laughs> yeah, no small thing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like torture not to <laughs> be able to work. Yeah. Like, God, Dad, can it we is. just go for a bike ride on the beach? Yeah, or? especially if he's been working like eighty-hour weeks, and then now it's down to zero. It's like, right. You know, it's, it's hard what to do adjust I do? to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of seeing it as a vacation, it's really seen as like death yeah it's crazy yeah (laughs) which is the reverse of their lazy americanized kids (laughs) 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 i know like where's my lottery ticket i'm tired of working full time and here my dad is just like can't sleep because he's not working enough um so that is our that's our proverb to think about for the week very nice proverb and Uh, we also have a language lesson you're going to help out with. And you're going to help me with this language okay. lesson, too. I, I hope I can be useful. <laughs> well, last week, we learned the word for acupuncture. Jamku. Jamku. Uh-huh. Yeah. And actually, Dr. Kwong, who 
I think I believe yeah, he goes to MQBN mm-hmm. every so often. Yeah. Too. So Dr. Kwang is out at MQB and CDC every other Thursday. He's a very energized person. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really enjoyed him. He's so dedicated. Have yeah. you have you had Jumpu? Jump uh huh. Yeah. So he actually did it on me because I was having some neck pains, but. And he pulsated it with some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I got the pulsation too. Right? <laughs> he put those electrodes on. And I'm watching. I was totally not ready to go in. Yeah. And I'm seeing him put yeah. these electrodes on my friend. I was like, oh, my God. Our friends are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> it was crazy. And then all the needles were yeah. moving. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell Al what's going on until after it's over. You recorded it. <laughs> This is, yeah, um, but I really like Dr. Guang because he also goes into details of like how, well, like what the acupuncture does so, and yes, like what kind of remedies can be done right after the session. So he yeah. goes into detail to like yeah. the treatment, the natural treatment yeah, of acupuncture. He gave me a sort of list of instructions mm-hmm. and Mark Sebastian to follow up yeah. with. And you know, yeah. like you say, very. Mm-hmm, very detailed. Yeah. And he, he does that to all of the patients. Um, I like that idea of, you know, he doesn't try and present himself as like a medicine man. Yeah. You know, though in Vietnam, that's how he would be treated, mm-hmm. you know, as kind of the first line source of information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't possess that an air of secrecy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very communicative as to what's going on talks about the process as, as he's performing it uh-huh. what, what this is doing and you know i was surprised he told you he's like okay and so now i'm gonna yeah. like, <laughs> i don't know if al should know <laughs> it's really really scary and he put six in me six like, yeah. <laughs> like a mustard some mustard yeah, seeds in my ears i think i've had about six or seven i mean they're all in my neck and my head how did it did it help your neck um. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to go kind of regularly. Yeah, for but my time. session lasted like five minutes because we were. Oh, I had another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was well, our sessions so. were like an hour yeah, and change or something. Right, exactly. Yeah. So. And for Al, actually, it helped him it's, with his knee. With knees, oh. exactly. No, it was very really tell a distinct difference. It was <laughs> really helpful. It's pretty cool. So I guess you'll be visiting him. Yes, I will. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I talked to our mutual friends. He's like, Al loved the acupuncture. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great experience. And partly because of Dr. Kwong. He's just such a a, very reassuring personality. Mm -hmm. And his wife, too, is also very nice. Yeah, I'm actually, I would love to have her on the show Mm -hmm. at some point. She's an anthropologist, I believe, by training. Yeah, I think so. And I hear she speaks Vietnamese. She does. (laughs) <laughs> that's great uh, so I don't know how to refer to New Orleans East in Vietnamese oh. I'd like you to share that with both Al and mm-hmm. <laughs> Vietnamese you mean like what the Vietnamese community yeah. call it yeah. so it's called Versailles okay but I don't so Versailles actually Versailles. was so one of the yeah, so it, Versailles is not modeling after Versailles, France, but Versailles because um, the community grew out of the Versailles Farms apartments, a low-income housing that was um, sort of designated for a lot of the Vietnamese refugees to come live. Um, so, like, the Vietnamese community members call the community Versailles. It's still known as Versailles. It's still known <laughs> as Versailles. Even though that that's that complex a series of yeah. apartment buildings is now blighted and mm-hmm. abandoned no one lives there mm-hmm. it's not abandoned but no one nobody lives there and it's definitely blighted mm-hmm. so i've heard people say versailles but i didn't know if there's like an actual vietnamese term for the east 
just for size. For size. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Sorry, I didn't get to do your Vietnamese language. No, but I mean, the thing is, that's Amer- Vietnamese American, you know, is to say, because my parents said, oh, there's Versailles, mm-hmm. Versailles, you know, and everyone, all the Vietnamese Americans in Orange County know about Versailles, but I'm like, yeah. is there a term people I mean, my mom, my mom says Jacksai only because I don't think she can pronounce <laughs> it correctly, but <laughs> you know, so. A Vietnamese accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, and then officially, the community is known as um, Village de Les. Like, it's recognized as the Village de Les neighborhood by the city, so. Um, well, there, are there any events coming up that you would like to talk about? Maybe the, your work that you do regularly <laughs> with the food drive? Yeah, so um, every third Thursday of the month, we have a Second Harvest food pantry. And this is one of our regular events. Um, where Second Harvest will come with a mobile truck and we will deliver, uh, well, put into boxes like fresh produce and meats um, for community members because obviously food access is a huge concern in New Orleans East. So um, this is one of the ways that we can help address that. Yeah, so it's every third Thursday from 9 to noon and we're always looking for volunteers. We always need extra hands on deck. And if someone wants to volunteer who's listening, how can they contact you? Yeah, they can contact me at um, 504-255-9170 or if you go into our website at www.mqvncdc.org, you can get our contact info there also. And the actual food drive is located where? It's also... Right at our offices, right in front in of our offices. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been exciting. <laughs> That's Vietnam for today. Thank you so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And a special thanks to today's guest, Tap Bui. Our show is produced by Kim Vu, Al Tharp, and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our web guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Our theme song was written by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus, PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Aeris studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook. We're at It's New Orleans. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnola shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today at Phanoi Viet 2005 Magazine Street in the Lower Garden District. If you'd like to be a guest on a Vietnola show, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line. You'll find all the info on our website. Vietnola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Kim Vu and everyone here at Vietnola, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you back here around the table at Phanoi Viet next week for our next episode of Vietnola. Until then, I'm Al Tharp. And I'm Kim Vu. Goodbye. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. 
And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.